From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. It is Labor Day weekend, and uh, someone who talks a lot about labor issues every single day is based uh, right in Pennsylvania and is heard around the world on uh, his podcast and on his radio show, which now has a TV component, and that is Rick Smith. You can find out more about him at thericksmithshow.com. You can also get his podcast from uh, Podbean. Uh, You can also see video at YouTube and wherever uh, finer video is sold, I guess, as they used to say. Uh, Rick, good morning. Jason, thanks for taking time for me. No problem. So, uh, where where are all where all are you heard and seen now? We're on several you know, radio stations across the, the across the country. Uh, the mass of our leader our listenership is you know on the internet, which is you just opened up so many opportunities for programs like mine. Uh, you know, we do great podcasts, somewhere around thirty thousand podcast downloads a month. Uh, you know, we're we're reaching out. We're 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 really you know. This medium for me is, is fantastic because you get to interact with people and, and share stories, and uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Now, you build your show as where working people come to talk. You didn't start out in radio. Where did you start out at? I started off as a truck driver. I mean, you know, for the mass of my working life, I was a, I was a Teamster truck driver. Uh, making a really good living, you know, driving a truck. And, you know, the, the story, the long story very short is, you know, back after the 2004 election, you know, I just I got tired of hearing all my truck driver buddies going, hey, you know, well, we'd do much better if there was no union here. And, you know, basically just spewing all of the right wing nonsense without really thinking about, you know, what they were saying, you know, like tax cuts for the rich creates jobs. No, it doesn't. And I decided after the election of 2004 that something had to be done to, to add some balance to the radio airwaves. And, and I started with a couple of friends, uh, a, a program, United for Progress. Uh, which morphed into the program that I do now. Uh, and, and to give that balance, to, to have that other side uh, and, and ask the questions of what, what's being shoveled down our throats every day, and that is you know, this idea that you know, the wealth class of this country has to be revered and honored and given all of the spoils and all of the, the rewards of our hard work. At some point, we've got to push back against that, Jason. Uh, Rick Smith is our guest. I feel, I feel like I should say opinions expressed by Rick Smith and not necessarily those of this radio station. Uh, tell us your website again and tell us where people can, what, what time you're live that people can actually tune in live. Uh, the RickSmithShow.com. We're live 10 a.m. to noon. We rebroadcast throughout the day. Okay. Uh, you can pick up the app on, your, on iTunes or uh, the, uh, the, uh, the apps of the Google Play Store or Android. You know, it's, it's all there. The more opportunities we have to reach out to people, you know, we, we, we try, you know, with Podbean, with the podcast, YouTube, with our videos that we share around. You know, also with our free speech TV program, which is nationwide in 40 million homes across the country, uh, gives us you know, access to, you know, to talk to more people and you know, share our, our thoughts and, and have that conversation. Because a second ago you said, you know, the thoughts and opinions are not maybe your own or this nation. And look, that's, that's perfectly fine. The idea is, is that we have, to, we have to learn how to talk to each other again, Jason. You, know, you and I may agree or disagree on certain issues, but shouting past each other and yelling platitudes and my team's right and your team's wrong, at some point we have to stop that, that kind of thinking and actually talk about as a working class. 
How do we fight for better wages, hours, conditions? How do we do what our grandparents' generation did when they came back from World War II? They went to the shop floor and they demanded that some of the wealth that was being created by these, these massive corporations was shared with the peons who were actually doing the work. How do we go back and relearn those lessons? How do we rediscover the concept of solidarity again? Uh, Rick Smith is our guest. He's the host of the Rick Smith Show, heard weekdays live from uh, 10 a.m. until noon. You can find out more by going to your favorite uh, podcast catcher. Uh, where, where, same place. Wherever you hear uh, our podcast, you can, you can find uh, Rick's podcast, Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean, for instance. Um, you Which up- I love, by the way, and I highly suggest that I hope people will, will download and get your podcast and share it around. <laughs> Thank you. The check is in the mail. Uh, you you grew up in Cleveland, did you not? Am I correct about that? I did. I grew up in a housing project on the west side of Cleveland. If you've ever flown into Johns Hopkins International Airport, mm-hmm. uh, our, the housing project I lived in is right next to it. In fact, we used to throw rocks at the plants. That's how <laughs> low they would they would fly to to our houses. And and what uh, what what did your folks do? Were they in labor unions or what? What did your folks do? Uh, my mother was a single mother. She okay. uh, you know you know the, the reality is is we we were. We were in an environment where uh, they put the socioeconomic ladder on top of. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, you know, we lived in, in extreme poverty. My, you know, my mother fought and clawed and did as, as best as she could to find work. Because, look, the 1970s were not a great time for a single mother uh, with a high school education to be able to support a child. And, you know, we were on and off welfare and, and you know, through social programs and all of this other stuff. Uh, and, you know, having grown up in poverty gives me this, this perspective. Of you know, I fear for kids today growing up as I did because I don't think the pathways to the middle class, I don't think the pathways to prosperity are there like they were for me. There's a- and that's because what's happened in this country is we've destroyed the social safety net. We've got a, a political party in this country who points at people like me who benefited from welfare programs, from Social Security when my mother passed away, uh, from a, a bunch of things as a kid that gave me that helping hand up. That you know now I pay a ton of taxes and I, I'm sure I've paid it all back. But <laughs> at a moment when I needed it, my yeah. government was there for me. There's a there's and, a and you know I want that for for every kid, every every person to have the same the same opportunities that I had. You know I'm not one of these people who said you know I climbed the ladder, I'm on the roof, and I'm going to kick it off so nobody else follows me. That's ludic- ludicrous, and I would argue it's un-American. Uh, we're talking with Rick Smith. It's Labor Day weekend, and we're talking about some labor issues and also talking about his uh, broadcast, which is heard uh, throughout the country and around the world on the Internet at thericksmithshow.com and is carried on a number of radio stations in Pennsylvania. You are based in Carlisle, PA, correct? Yes, sir. Which uh, people... Right in the middle, right in the heart of Trump country. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say the thing I know, two things I know about Carlisle are the Army War College and the uh, car shows they have up there all, all year round. Um, but, but the Army War College would not strike me as a uh, fertile place to talk about labor issues. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, look, the reality is, is if, if you have a desperate, if you have a desperate working class, if you have a desperate society... Uh, you're going to have problems with the military as well. And look, I would argue that our military is one of the, you know, the great socialist organizations in this country. Uh, that we, through your achievement, you can move up. But you know, there aren't people who are being abused more than anyone else. Uh, they all get health care. They all have something of retirement security if they, they spend their time. Uh, it, it seems to me that we could learn some lessons 
from what our military does. Well, and certainly for us in Pennsylvania, it's the uh, path to upward mobility for a lot of our young people after they leave high school. Uh, those jobs in, in the mill or on the railroad are no longer available. A lot of them end up going into the Marine, Marines, Army, Air Force, uh, Coast Guard, Navy. Um, I know an awful lot of friends of mine from high school who uh, did time in the armed services uh, to pay for college or, or just to learn a career path. Um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. Uh, so, so you were in Cleveland, and I think sometimes of Cleveland as kind of the mirror image of Pittsburgh in a lot of ways, because it had a lot of the same, you know, we've got three rivers and they've got a big lake. Uh, they had steel steel industry. We had steel industry. Growing up in the 70s, you, you like me, were, were living through, I think, a lot of those steel mills closing down. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about the deindustrialization of the 70s and really accelerated during the 80s, and you could, you could go back to policies. You know, it's again, you know, we have these insane trade policies that pit us against desperate nations. But also, you go back to the Reagan high dollar policies that made imports so much cheaper, and you did nothing to mitigate the damage. Uh, we've, for so long, Jason, we've followed this, this business-friendly mentality. Now, whatever business needs we're going to pursue, if it, were, if it wasn't for tearing down capital borders, you know, we're, we're pushing free trade. And if we're not pushing that, we're pushing the destructive no-rights-at-work agenda where people for, trying to join and form unions get crushed and, and denied access uh, to the organizing. You know, at some point, we have to look at those lessons that we learned back in the 70s and 80s when we had a powerful we still had a powerful working class. They still union density about twenty five percent. Still able to have some say. We got to look back to those days and say, you know, what did we do wrong? You know, siding with bad policy, siding with people who said, oh, we're going to give you tax cuts and then take your jobs. Uh, learn from that and then move forward. I mean, at the end of it, it does. One of the reasons I think Donald Trump became president, honestly and truthfully, mm-hmm. is that he was talking the message of the labor movement. He was talking about saying trade policy. He was talking about bringing manufacturing back. He was talking about good jobs. And, and for a lot of us, you know, we hearken back to those, those days when unions were strong and we had an industrial base that didn't flee our shores for cheap, exploitable labor and lax environmental regulations. And, and we want to make this country the producer of the world. Uh, you know, in Trenton, New Jersey, there's a bridge that Trenton has a makes white sign on it. The world takes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and we want to be that country again. Mm-hmm. It comes back to policy. Now, sadly, uh, I don't believe Donald Trump is the answer. I don't believe he's go- he has the interest of the working class in mind. But the message, I think, is one that's out there and that once Trump fails us and fails his, his base, um, we still have to continue to push forward on Let's let's put a let's take a pause right there. We have a, a quick thirty second break to come back to, to take. When we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about uh, how you got out of Cleveland, and also ask you about what sort of concerns that you are hearing from uh, the people, not just your guests, but the callers who call your show every day, and, and and what they are thinking right now about being in the working class. Okay. Look forward to it. It's Labor Day weekend. We're talking with Rick Smith. He is the host of The Rick Smith Show, heard around the country and around the world. You can find him at com. You can also get his podcast from Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, you can also see video uh, on his website and on YouTube. Stay tuned. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes. Support comes from the readers of TubeCityOnline.com and the Tube City Almanac, and we thank them for their support. If you'd like to contribute, please visit our website, call us at 412-614-9659, or email us at tubecitytiger at gmail.com. 
Welcome back. It's Labor Day weekend, and our guest uh, this morning is Rick Smith. He's the host of The Rick Smith Show. You can find him at thericksmithshow.com, and you can also get his podcast. Uh, and whatever your favorite podcatcher is, as they say, uh, you can get The Rick Smith Show podcast. He's also on Free Speech TV, uh, which can be seen in about 40 million homes. And that's a digital cable service, I guess? Uh, yeah, uh, DirecTV, Dish Network, okay. uh, Manhattan Neighborhood Network in New York City. Uh, it covers you know all of the five boroughs of New York, okay. and, you know, all across the country. Okay. Um, so when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, you grew up in Cleveland. Cleveland, like Pittsburgh, uh, hit hard by deindustrialization. What we've seen in the Pittsburgh area is very similar to what we've seen in the Cleveland area. Cleveland may be a little bit behind Pittsburgh, but we've seen the, the sort of center city of Pittsburgh, just like the center city of Cleveland, have been redeveloped and, and are very bright and shiny and scrubbed up. But for uh, those of us who are kind of out in McKeesport, Braddock, Homestead, uh, Duquesne, places like that. Uh, the the prosperity of the service worker economy, the prosperity of the information technology, uh, is not necessarily come to Clareton. Is is that what you are seeing in, in your old stomping grounds up in Cleveland? Yeah, only uh, I would argue my hometown is a little bit further behind because you know the reality is is you know Pittsburgh did a wonderful job of of you know seeking out the new economy, the IT stuff. Uh, still making some steel, like Cleveland. There's still steel being made. Yeah, yeah, uh, a lot of it. But you know, they they did seek out you know you know the, the next wave a lot quicker than my 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 hometown. Uh, now you know again you know, there's opportunity to be had, and it comes back down to smart policy, smart investment, and I would argue our tax code. Uh, the reality is is you know we can incentivize. Uh, you know, you know, certain technologies and certain opportunities for areas like Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and industrial cities across this country. Uh, my problem is, is when we do this, what we end up, what we end up basing it on is, uh, you know, how little worker power we can have, and how little wages and benefits and you know all of that uh, that can be pursued. And and you know, I go back to my being a kid growing up in the projects. You know, when someone in our neighborhood got a job, you know, one of these good-paying union jobs, and this is. To me, where you know this being Labor Day and talking about one the history of labor in this country, mm-hmm. but also the future of labor in this country is, you know, when when someone got one of those union jobs that paid a decent wage, a family sustaining wage with health care, with a pension, their lives got better. And you know, I had someone ask me, well, you know, when what did you see? And I go, you know, initially it just meant food at the end of the month, yeah, uh, which for my neighborhood was a big deal. And then it meant the kids got used bikes or, you know, a used car. And then eventually they moved up and moved out. That job, and this is where I agree with Ronald Reagan when he said, you know, the best anti-poverty program is a job. Uh-huh. I would amend that. The best anti-poverty program is a union job with good health care and good, good wages and a, and a reasonable retirement security. But, you know, we're losing that messaging. And at, least one, and, at, least, at least one of the station owners that this show is going out over, his brain has just exploded. But I'm going to ask you, what did you think? And I, I already know the answer to this, so I'm throwing you a softball question. What do you think about the fact that uh, Robert, R- Ronald Reagan, uh, President Reagan, is being uh, named to the National Labor Hall of Fame by the uh, Department of Labor? Did you see that? That is an absolute total disgrace, and I don't want to use, I don't want to use profanity. <laughs> Please when don't. When I saw that, I went into a very... Long, very um, R-rated tirade <laughs> about all of the reasons why Ronald Reagan should not be anywhere near uh, the Labor Hall of Fame. In fact, he shouldn't. He shouldn't even be allowed to. Shouldn't have even been allowed to say the words. I'm I'm reminded of the. I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind for me uh, is the air traffic controller strike, and I believe 1981 was that. Yep, no, yeah. August of 1981 fired. Not just fired them. 
but fired them and then barred them from ever seeking federal employment again, blacklisted them. It wasn't enough to take away their, their live, livelihood and their job. It was forever. Was that kind of a warning shot to the organized labor movement in the United States that um, the, the, the gains that they had won going back to the Wagner Act and even pers- uh, persisting through the Taft-Hartley Act, um, the, 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 the good times were coming to an end? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't, you know, I say it was a shot heard across the boardroom. Yeah. Uh, there should have been, in my view, uh, a general strike that shut this country down when you still had 25% union density because you look at the graph, and, you know, it's, it's very clear uh, from that, that moment to the, where we are now, you, go, you went from 25% union density down to about 6.4 and most in the of those, private sector. I was going oh, to say, I'm, and most of the union people that I know at this point are either in the nonprofit or in the public sector, and, and we've seen a, an effort uh, uh, fanning out from Wisconsin to try to destroy those public sector uh, organizer, yep. you know, organized units as well. Uh, and Re- the other part of it that I would throw in there, another reason, and there are, there are a ton of reasons why I'm not a, a fan of Reagan, but you look at the Tax Reform Bill of 86, which is one of the, the largest slaps in the face to working people in, this, in the history of this country. While Reagan was pursuing a high-dollar policy that made exports just outrageously expensive and, and encouraged mass imports, which destroyed jobs in this country, while those workers in steel mills and in factories all across this country were losing their jobs, what did they do with the Tax Reform Bill of 86? They taxed unemployment benefits for the first time. You want to talk about a slap in the face? On one hand, the policy that cost you to lose your job, and then on the other hand, taxing you on that meager benefit to help you make it to the next place? is just, uh, to me, unforgivable. And another one of those reasons why he has nowhere, he has, there's no way sane that he should be anywhere near the Hall of Fame. Rick, I, I just wish that at some point people could get you to speak your mind and come out of your shell, because it's so hard, it's so hard you're so reluctant to say what you really think. Uh, <laughs> we're talking with Rick Smith. It's Labor Day weekend. You can catch Rick live uh, weekday mornings from 10 a.m. until noon on his website, thericksmithshow.com. He is also available, his show is available as a podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. He's got a YouTube channel, and he's also on Free Speech TV, uh, which is available on DirecTV and Dish Network and uh, most digital cable systems. He is based in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, just outside of Harrisburg. How did you end up from Cleveland to Pennsylvania? A job transfer. I, did, yeah. I was working for a trucking company. Okay. And we, uh, Carlisle is one of these central hubs for the trucking industry in this area. Okay. You know, you're within a day's drive of, I think the statistic is almost uh, 70% of the population. Okay. Yeah. Certainly. And certainly if you've ever been on the, 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 the turnpike or whatever through there, yeah, you can certainly see the big truck movements. Um, we're coming up on another break, but there's a, something that you touched on when you were talking about the steel industry and that is about to touch the trucking industry, and that's automation. That's artificial intelligence. Um, was having an argument actually with someone recently about you mentioned the steelmaking in Cleveland and it, it got me curious and I got, I got my nose open and I looked and Cleveland is producing about the same tonnage, raw tonnage of steel that they were yeah. producing 40 years ago. The problem is they're producing it with a tenth of the employees and the same thing is happening here in the Mon Valley where the Edgar Thompson works of U.S. Steel is the last remaining basic steel operation that we have in the Pittsburgh area. It's producing about the same tonnage that it was producing uh, 30 years ago, but it's producing it with 700 people instead of 7,000 people. Um, what has that automation done to n- just not just working class, but people in organized labor? Well, I mean, you know, to be honest, uh, it's it's destroyed them. It's decimated 
uh, the working conditions and the, the ability to fight for better wages, hours and conditions, because it's destroyed the jobs. It's put us in this Hunger Games kind of scenario where, you know, if you want to keep your job, you want to be one of those lucky 700 out of the 7,000, you're going to have to take less. And it's gotten us as a working class to make less demands. Look, uh, I'm of the mindset that the technology is good. Making you know, productivity gains, it's good. The problem is that it's not being shared. And this is where policymakers have got to do something. And we as a working class have got to demand that those technological advances be broadly shared. The idea that you have one guy who owns the company or the app or whatever the new technology is ends up being a, a gazillionaire while you have a poverty class all around is insane. Mm -hmm. At some point, we have to be discussing how do those productivity gains be shared across the economy? How do we make sure that, that no one, that, you know, again, back to when I was a kid, that idea that if you work hard, you play by the rules, that you actually get ahead. You know, I'm not a Luddite. I yeah. think we need to have technology. We need to embrace it because it's not going to stop. But we have to figure out how do we all how do we all share in what what's benefiting us as a country. Let me put a, a, a pause right there. Uh, we have one more quick thirty second break. The time goes so fast, uh, Rick. If you can stay with us, I want to pick up the conversation there on the other side. Okay. Look forward to it. Uh, Rick Smith is heard around the country and across Pennsylvania on his show, The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. You can check him out on Facebook. You can find his website at therickmithshow.com, and you can also get his podcast on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. He's also got a TV show uh, available at Free Speech TV. He is live weekday mornings from 10 a.m. until noon, and we have put him on the other side of the microphone uh, to see what it feels like for once. Stay tuned. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. We'll be right back. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. You know, we're looking for help in getting this show on the air and for help with other projects. If you're interested in the McKeesport area and you'd like to host a program or write articles for the website, call us at 412-614-9659 or email tubecitytiger at gmail.com. And we're back for a final few minutes on this Labor Day weekend, and my guest today is Rick Smith. He is the host of The Rick Smith Show, heard live across Pennsylvania and across the country at thericksmithshow.com. You can also find him on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, on various different podcast servers, including uh, Stitcher and iTunes and Podbean. Rick, when we took the break, we were talking a little bit about how automation has affected um, the, the good sort of blue-collar and gray-collar jobs that we were used to, and how in, in manufacturing, for instance, you know, the, the, a tenth of the workforce is now doing the jobs that that 40 years ago uh, were, were good paying jobs. Um, you were a Teamster truck driver. Uh, are people kind of aware? Or are they waking up to the fact that self-driving cars also mean self-driving trucks and self-driving yeah, no, buses? I, no, I've, I have these, you know, I, I, I talk to truck drivers all the time. I don't I don't think that they believe it's going to happen. And the reality is, is we've got self-driving trucks on the roads right now. Yeah. You go into Nevada, they're all over the place. Uh, it is the future. It's going to happen. Uh, and it's going to have a massive, uh, and this is one of the things I talk about on my show. We're, while we're focused on the train wreck that is the Trump administration, uh, we're not focusing on the tsunami of job losses that are coming in the near future because of automation. Uh, look, you know, we're, we're reliving the Industrial Revolution. We're reliving you know, massive change in, in our society, not just in, you know, in the workplace, but in, in how people live. And we're not having any of these conversations. And look, it's coming a lot quicker than I think either, even you and I understand it to. Uh, it's my view that it, within 10 years, 
all long haul truck driving jobs are going to be gone. Yeah. So, you know, those coast to coast truck drivers, they're done. And, and that's going to have a ripple effect, not just in the trucking industry, but also in the railroad and the freight industry. Because, look, getting a truck from, from coast to coast is a lot quicker than, than putting something on the train. So this is going to affect that as well. The ripple effects of, of automation uh, is, you know, it's, it's, almost, it's almost boundless. And you, you, it's not just uh, truck drivers and steel workers and factory workers. It's also people like radiologists. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this day and age, if you're going to go to medical school to be a radiologist, save your money. Maybe go flip burgers because in within five years, there are going to be no more radiologists. Well, we're the seeing people reading those films. They're going to be computers because it's already being done. We're seeing it in, in even in fields, uh, white collar, um, fancy upper class fields like law. We're seeing lawyers having trouble getting jobs because so many of the jobs, the entry level jobs that were done writing wills and writing contracts can now be done just as quickly with automation. Yep. Well, it's not quicker and a lot cheaper. But here's the thing, and this, this is where, you know, this Labor Day, I hope people are thinking about what's the future. This is a great opportunity to, you know, you know to go back to that idea of, you know, Samuel, Samuel Gomper saying, you know, when, when asked what does labor want, uh, you know, more opportunities to make our lives better, less jailhouses and more schools, uh, less vice and more opportunities to better ourselves. This is an opportunity to, to really better ourselves and use technology to change really to change how we live. I mean, you go back to the Industrial Revolution where they were saying, you know, life is short and brutish, and, you know, because people just, you know, toiled in these horrible conditions. If we, if we do this right, there's an opportunity for people to lead decent lives and not have to work 60, 70 hours a week, not have to live in poverty and desperation. But it comes back down to policy. Yep. And I think we're at one of those moments where, you know, we're still fighting over, you know, 20th century ideas when the 21st century is kicking us in the teeth. Let me, uh, we only have just a couple of minutes left, and let me touch on something that you just said, which is, you know, uh, Samuel Gomper's fewer, fewer jailhouses and better schools. We, the Democratic Party was sharply criticized a couple of weeks ago by activists because they, they, uh, they unveiled a new slogan that they were going to use for the congressional races. And, I, and I, I, my mind has blanked on it, but it basically was better schools, better education, better jobs. And that has been the mantra since Ronald Reagan was president that, well, you should go to college, you should get an education, and you should get a white-collar job. Is that inadequate now when those white-collar jobs are, are starting to be eliminated by automation as well? I mean, that certainly was the mantra when I was a kid was that all of the steel workers in, in McKeesport and Duquesne and Clareton, they should go back to school and get college degrees. Well, guess what? A lot of them did, and they didn't get jobs anyways. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Look, uh, the better deal, as they called it, Yes, uh, you know, advocated for a lot of those things. And look, and a lot of that I'm in favor of. Mm -hmm. uh, we should, as a society, embrace lifelong learning. Absolutely. But to, to say that a 50-year-old truck driver is now going to be able to go back to college and get a degree and compete with 19- and 20-year-olds to make the 50 or 60000 that they were making driving a truck is insane, and it's never going to happen. Uh, I know it's nice rhetoric politically, but in the real world, that doesn't happen. And we saw that played out in the 1970s and in the 1980s with steel workers and manufacturing jobs. We, we've seen this movie over and over. So, so uh, what we have to figure out how to do is make sure that there's a safety net under people's feet and that we, we pursue policy to share the, the prosperity of these productivity gains and still give people opportunity to, to excel and to learn and, and to do those things. What, what are uh, some I just things? I don't that... know how the old model works of, you know, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. Jason. I just don't know how it works. What can people do? What, 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 what can the average person, the average working class person? Uh, I mean, I, th I think it's first and foremost, you've got to be informed and you've got to talk to your neighbors. And we've got to, we've got to regain 
and I say this all the time, every generation has to relearn the idea of solidarity. They have to relearn the idea that community matters and that, you know, what affects me affects my neighbors and what affects my neighbors affects me and that we're all in this together. For so long, I mean, you go Reagan era forward, it's all about me. Hooray for me. Greed is good. The one who dies at the end with the most toys wins. That mentality is dangerous. And it's gotten us into this situation where you've now got CEOs taking three, four hundred times that of what the average worker makes. You've got this just enormous greed and insatiable appetite for more for the handful, while the rest of society is, is crumbling and suffering. At some point, we've got to, through our political institutions, hold people accountable, pursue policy that is going to give a floor to working people and give people the ability to share in some of those, pro- those, those productivity gains. To me, it's, it's, it's all about the politics and the organizing and, and the community. Uh, for so long, you know, you know, I talk to people who don't even know their neighbors. Yeah. And you go, how is that possible? How is it possible that we've been this divided? Uh, the, again, you know, I go back to my grandparents' generation. You know, maybe it was World War II that pulled them together, but they were a community. They were people who said, you know, tomorrow we're going to fight for something for not just ourselves, but for our kids and future generations. And they left us the most prosperous working class in the history of civilization. And what happened? We screwed it up. <laughs> we, we, are, we are out of time. Give us your website uh, one more time, please. TheRickSmithShow.com. Rick, thank you so much, and have a safe and happy Labor Day. You too, Jason. Thank you so much, and thank you for carrying our show. We appreciate it. And thank you all for listening today to Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 88.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at TubeCityOnline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community. Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport, PA, 15134. You can email us at tubecitytiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online.